This is the Passive Income Investor Podcast, hosted by Matt Dorn and Aaron Merriman. This is Aaron Merriman. This podcast features discussions and interviews related to conservative passive income investing. We focus on long-term wealth building and tax-efficient income strategies. All right. Well, today we're very excited to talk about um, year-end planning strategies. It's it's timely. We're we're here at the beginning of December, and we're all thinking about. Uh, we've gotten through Thanksgiving, and we're thinking about tax obligations this year and and planning our investments next year. Um, again, this is Aaron Merriman, and I'm one of the managing directors for Lujan Merriman Development Group. We're based here in Southern California in Orange County. And we focus on multifamily apartment buildings, typically five to 15 units. Our properties are typically 75 to 100 years old. And we renovate to compete with brand new construction, but we're giving and creating a micro community experience for our tenants. Uh, And because we operate in a low cap rate environment, we're able to add uh, a a great deal of value to these properties while still um, generating a nice yield. Again, with Sage Wealth Planning, Matt, talk to us about Sage. Thanks, Aaron. It's it's great to be back. Um, here we are in December, and it's busy as usual. So, uh, at Sage, we are a registered investment advisory firm, domiciled in Northern Michigan. We are a planning centric firm, which means that we are intently focused on the multiple areas of an individual or families financial life and seeking to optimize and harmonize the pieces. So nearly all aspects of a person's financial life has um, tax ramifications attached to it. And as a result, uh, we are not just a planning centric firm, but we are heavily tax focused. And so at the end of the year, of course, there's a lot that we need to be attending to as it relates to tax. And so today's episode is is really going to be focused a lot on what those year-end strategies are. You know, that's exciting. And we're, we're thinking about, and, and I've been having uh, conversations recently with, you know, our investors and, and people want to know, you know, how is it going to look the rest of the year? What do we think about the market next year? Uh, you know, inflation is really heating up. And so that's on everybody's mind. And, and how do we plan for that going forward? And so, yeah, I'd love to love to kind of get your thoughts and, and what should people be thinking about? You know, we're, we're pretty well baked for this year, obviously, being uh, here in early December. Um, but, you know, people do have opportunities to maybe take some tax this year, if it makes sense, sell something next year. And that and that's certainly the strategy side of things. Um, so love to get your thoughts. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you said that things are pretty well baked. And and I think that's a common belief. But for those who are self-employed or have a lot of investment, um, a, a large investment portfolio that's not in a tax-deferred environment, in many cases, they really don't know where they stand until we get to the end of the year, right? If Depending upon how their business um got booked and and realized sometimes folks get to the end of the year and they've had a lot more or a lot less income than they were anticipating. And and so there are some things that we need to look at and attend to to help them optimize what the tax picture might look like. And it's not always reducing taxes. I mean, there are times when 
somebody's got sufficient headroom in a tax bracket that might warrant accelerating the recognition of some income. We're doing that for folks right now who've, you know, if left unattended, we might land in the middle of a tax bracket um, where where we really should optimize the headroom that's available to them, or we might end up paying a higher tax bracket in the future. You know, and sometimes that means taking a bigger withdrawal than the required minimum distribution would necessitate them doing uh, just because recognizing it now could be more tax efficient than waiting. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And, and people don't think about that. I, I know before you and I started working together, it was definitely something that I wasn't thinking about, but you know, you, you operate in these tax brackets and I don't know how many people really think about Am I at the middle of the bracket? Am I at the top of the bracket? Am I at the bottom of the bracket? And I know this is going to happen next year. Does it make sense to do something this year? Because if I wait till next year, I, I'm going to push up in a bracket or maybe it's even down. And and what are the pros and cons of that? Yeah, and that's really the difference, Aaron, between accounting and tax planning, right? Accounting, which is accounting for things which have already occurred and and calculating the obligation that goes with those things versus planning whose ambition is to reduce those liabilities as much as can be done um, by looking forward. So, you know, a couple of things that we're certainly looking at at this time of year, um, and I'm sure these are terms people have heard, but one is called tax loss harvesting. And the opposite of that is called tax gains harvesting. And there are time um, and opportunities for both. So there are times when taking a loss on something uh, because it might help offset some ordinary income or gains that have already been realized on something else is just a smart thing to do that adds efficiency to managing a portfolio. But there are also times when someone's capital gain bracket is low enough or in some cases maybe even zero where recognizing a gain um, simply because it's inexpensive to do so also makes a lot of sense. And so tax loss harvesting, tax gain harvesting are, are both things that are, that are front and center of our planning at this time of year. In addition, um, gifting to family members, you know, has limits that that tie into the end of a calendar year, obviously charitable giving as well, whether or not to contribute to a donor advised fund that might allow somebody to get over the standard deduction and, and get a benefit for their charitable giving by doing a larger amount at one time. We've had a lot of discussions in the last couple of weeks about whether it's the right time to exercise stock options, given the, um, tax liabilities that go with recognizing different kinds of options. And again, back to withdrawals and conversions. There's just a whole lot going on right now. And as I mentioned before, it is often not knowable until you get into the tail end of the year how much flex you might have. So so then, how, you know, how, th- this time of year... Uh, and and as you're doing this planning with with clients, how much of it is related to 
what's going on outside of the universe, like what's going on, you know, with the stock market, with inflation, you know, we've got all these new, there's a lot of legislation being talked about right now with taxes. And, and that thing has really, the pendulum has swung all over the place with that. You know, how, how much of your discussions and planning relates to that um, versus, you know, really drilling down into the individual client, what they have going and, you know, what what the impact of what is known now versus what we anticipate happening in 2022? It's a really good question. It's a deep question, and it is far and away the latter of what you described. Okay, the, it has very little to do with the stock market except that investments eventually become income that gets recognized, right? So it's it's really more about the person you're talking with, the goals that they're pursuing, the timing of of the things that they're doing so that the tax associated with it or the benefit associated with the strategies they're pursuing can be optimized. Right. So let me give you an example. When the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 was put into place and temporarily made the standard deduction much higher than normal, it effectively changed the landscape of who can or does itemize. But it didn't change people's desire to support the causes and communities and institutions that bring meaning to their life. Um, People didn't stop contributing to their church or, or other nonprofit organizations simply because the ability to itemize changed but it does change the way they do it. And so that's where, you know, maybe bunching gifts into one year where we can clear the standard and and get a deduction for doing so makes sense. And that often plays out as, you know, somebody gives in December for the current year and the next one, right? So they're, they're really just optimizing doing the giving in one year so that they can get some uh, ability to deduct that gift. Um, but it's really about what somebody's trying to do and then seeking to make most efficient the way in which they're doing it. So you you did mention, though, there's a lot going on with the proposed tax law change. And of course, we've got a new variant for the, for the, um, you know, the COVID situation. And we have a little bit of inflation and supply chain, which we've been talking about before. So what those things have added to the equation right now is volatility. So suddenly investments are moving up and down in pretty big moves right here toward the end of the year. And and that adds another layer of complexity to the timing. Um, If your investments have appreciated a whole bunch this year, and now suddenly you're worried about the volatility and the changing of the value, does it compel you to to do something? Uh, generally speaking, I would say no, but it doesn't mean that people don't feel compelled to do something. You know, so we're having a lot of discussions about, you know, what should I do? Should, should I speed up or slow down? Should I change course or stay the course? And, and that happens a lot right now. You know, one of the things that comes up with us, so we, you know, we have two open investor funds, right? So, so these funds have 
um, you know, a, a good a good number of investors in each one. And this time of year, and we just happen to be, you know, the market is strong right now in real estate, right? So we're we're selling some properties, um, and we're selling them for really nice valuations. And inherently, this time of this time of year, we, you know, I get we talk with investors. I, I've talked to you about this, and it's you know, people, well, you know, can you wait to sell next year and, or can you wait to sell this year or can you please sell this year? I have a big game that next year. And, and so there's always that challenge from our side of, you know, we, we, we can't be everything to everybody. Um, you know, I could call 20 investors and get 10 to sell this year and 10 to sell next year. So it, it becomes the discipline of, you know, what are we trying to do? We know we've got capital gains on this. We, we don't know what prices are going to be tomorrow, but we know what we have today. This is a great sales price. It's a great, it's a good return for investors. Let's move forward now um, versus trying to kind of, you know, the tail wagging the dog a little bit. Yeah. And our advice is the same. You know, let's not let the tax ramifications drive good business decisions. And where there are deadlines or limits, we want to optimize them as best we can. And where there are opportunities to mitigate tax liabilities um, prudently, then we want to do that too. But we're not trying to push deals off into another year simply because of the tax situation, right? If it's a good business decision, it's a good business decision now. And so, you know, we, we often do encounter the same thing because, of course, the new year is within sight, right? We're only 29 days away. And so it is tempting to try to push things off, but um, we'd rather make good business decisions than let the tax impact drive the decision we're making. Yeah. And, and that's part of that, strat, you know, and people are all over the place, but that's part of having that long-term vision and investment strategy, regardless of what you're doing, right? I, I have this strategy um, and it's very forward thinking. And the discipline is, you know, working that strategy, regardless of what the markets are doing. And if you feel comfortable about your decisions and <clears throat> something, it makes sense to sell, and you know that you have the you know good tax treatment, whether you sell it today or in 29 days, like you said, let's take the money and let's move on. Um, let's not you know, get ourselves in a situation where anything can happen. And we've seen it happen where you put something off and prices fluctuate. And it, I think it's a little bit of that, certainly with the stock market, it's a little bit of that greed factor. And, and not having that discipline of, hey, I've had an amazing run up here. It's time to take some money off the table or, you know, do, do something to make sure that these are locked in. Because certainly when you think about um, the last major correction, uh, I, I saw many, many people ride stuff all the way up and all the way down. Yeah. You know, and where it makes sense to, to be really vigilant about recognizing gains or or trying to create um, things that mitigate liability is where there are deadlines, where there are um, eligibilities at stake. So for example, 
managing adjusted gross income is a really fruitful practice if it means keeping yourself eligible for other things that have value, like the ability to deduct student loan interest or realize a child tax credit or contribute to a Roth IRA or, you know, being aware of where your adjusted gross income is going to put you is not just directly tied to the tax you're going to pay, but it's the eligibility you'll have for other things. And that's something that we believe people should be vigilant about throughout the year. And then, of course, giving to charitable causes or to family members or, you know, things that have year-end deadlines, those are things we should be thinking about throughout the year, always paying attention to. It's when you get to the end of the year and you say, boy, if I sell this stock or close on that property on this date, you know, it's going to fall into this tax year versus next tax year. And and I think those things really should be reserved to what's the best business decision, right? It's should I, should I rush to do something or push it off just because it's going to put it in another tax year? Probably not the way to approach the decision. Um, but the things that have deadlines that we can manage to and be thinking about throughout the year, we should always be doing that. Com- completely agree. Uh, you're listening to the Passive Investor Podcast with Matt Dorn and Aaron Merriman. And today we're discussing the importance of year-end strategic planning. So one of the things too, I think, and, and, and this is really the value of, of someone like yourself or, you know, CPAs that are not just tax preparers um, and, and just cranking out because you get what you pay for on any, on, on all of that stuff. Right. But, you know, looking at, and I, and I'm susceptible of this myself where, you know, you might have some, some losses from the prior year, or you have something where it's important to look at that based on what's happening this year. And, and, and remember that, you know, as you're making these decisions and, and, and thinking ahead, the, the, the business decision, it needs to first and foremost, uh, make sense from a business decision, knowing what you may have in the tank from a prior year, uh, tax return. Right. And and what what I what I think, too, and and we're going to discuss this in our next episode, but, you know, you have some of these things, whether it's a 1031 exchange or uh, opportunity zones was was really, you know, a hot topic a few years ago. And I feel it kind of having a renaissance with a lot of folks that I talk about and people are looking for those things because it's. They've had this huge run up in the stock market. They're looking to place money. And and you get into that same kind of mode where you're making, you know, what I would say were not necessarily great business decisions because of the perceived future tax benefit. Agreed. Yeah. And I look forward to talking more about that um, because it is a topic that's coming up a lot. And I think there's some good and there's some not so good uh, about some of those incentives. So we'll talk more about the incentive side of it when we discuss it. But, you know, where we do see an opportunity for folks right now is a a lot of the business owners that we're talking with have had incredible years. You know, they've had very, very good um, revenue despite the challenges they've been facing. And if they were planning to put some new equipment into service or, you know, do some kind of acquisition or, um, 
you know, renovation, it can make sense, A, from the standpoint of they have the revenue to do it, and B, um, putting new equipment into service at a time that, that might also allow them to get some tax benefits for doing so makes sense. But it started with the fact that they're having a good year, right? That they have the revenue, they have the wherewithal to do those expansions or put new things in place. Um, and then the tax benefit is just icing on that. Yeah. And, and and you're probably seeing this too, but I think what drives a lot of this stuff, so a lot of people are having a good year, right? I mean, the stock market has done very, very well. Um, people are selling their businesses. You have a lot of money on the sideline. Companies aren't going public. These PE firms have to deploy money. Um, and so they're buying private businesses. On the real estate side and, and our side, um, it is very difficult to find a deal right now. It is one of the tightest markets that, and we've been doing this for nearly 20 years, it is one of the tightest markets that I that I can recall. And so part of that is having that discipline, right? And having the discipline around, I would rather sit on cash today and I might sit on that cash for a year. So I've now potentially impacted my 2022 return, but then I'm getting amazing deals in 2023. So when you look at my 10-year track record or whatever that track record is, you, you, you even out and you don't have those down years that really hurt you. Because certainly, you know, and I, and I speak to our business, but, you know, real estate is inherently, it's not publicly traded, so it's slower moving, which is, in my opinion, a great thing. But when you overpay for an asset and you're forced to wait for the grass to grow because the value of that asset has gone down, that can take a long time. And you would have been much better off sticking to your guns, waiting for the right deal, and and sitting on that cash. Agreed. And it happens in, in the stock market as well, right? I I know that the current interest rate environment and monetary policy has been friendly to hard assets and financial assets, right? But the fear of missing out can push people to make decisions where they ignore the fundamental elements of the decision they're making, which, as you mentioned, one of those fundamental elements is price, right? So it can be a great company, it can be a great property, but if we purchase it at the wrong price, it can still be a really bad decision, uh, or it could be a really long wait, right? And, and so ultimately, the business decision involves a lot more than just whether or not to to buy, but when and and how much leverage to use if it's the case of real estate, right? Or it's it's more than just a, you know, these things are moving quickly, so we need to own them. Well, this has been a this has been a great discussion, Matt. Um, at, you know, and and we're talking about year end planning, uh, planning for next year. Before we sign off, any any closing comments? Uh, no, I, I I appreciate your perspective on this. It, it's amazing, though our businesses are quite different, how similar some of the themes are. And um, and I love to hear your perspective on what you see in the real estate world 
and, and I'm always amazed at how similar it is. Um, but it's just a great opportunity to discuss it, hear more than my own perspective on it, and um, and I and I hope this benefits people. I know that the things we talked about today are top search items right now. So so I hope the information makes its way to people who are looking for that. Yeah, completely agree. And I and I get smarter every time we do one of these episodes. Everybody, thank you for listening, and please join us for our next episode as we talk about opportunity zones and things that we need to be thinking about and really looking into before we we pull the trigger. Thank you. For more information on LMDG, you can visit lmdg.net. And for examples of some of our projects or see more videos from Matt and I, you can also visit youtube.com backslash lmdgre or you can email me directly at amerriman at lmdg.net. For more information on Sage Wealth Planning, you can visit sagewealthplanswithaness.com or you can email Matt directly at mdoran at sagewealthplanswithaness.com.